Welcome back to the CrossFit Bath Podcast. It's the first episode of 2020 and it's already late, so my apologies for that. Uh, as always, my name is Jason, if you're here for the first time. Uh, on Monday, I went down to Trowbridge to have a conversation with Shax and we were talking about the new programming that uh, we'll be following over the next couple of months at the gyms. And we also talked about the reason why we train and how uh, having that conversation with ourselves, knowing why we train, what our goals really are, uh, can actually affect the way we train. So it's a very interesting conversation and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Just a a little bit of housekeeping before we get there. Um, If you look in the description, I've also put a link to a little members survey, a members spotlight survey where you can just give a little bit of information about yourself and, uh, and how you found CrossFit and then we can shout it out on the podcast and that way we all get to know each other a little bit better. So um, if you want to do that there's a link in the description or there's a link in my bio on uh, my Instagram as well so you can find it in different ways but if people want to fill that out a few already have and that will be a new feature that will be coming up on future episodes. Uh, if you stick a stick around to the very end uh, you might also get a preview of what's to come both in the programming but also on uh, the next episodes as well so um, uh, let's go over now to my conversation with Shax. Well welcome back to the podcast Shax. Thank you it's good to be back. You say that now <laughs> wait till the end and then uh, see if you've changed your mind. Now before we set up you were already anticipating that there would be some warm-up questions. Yeah, I was nervous about these. You have warmed the room up nicely. Yeah, I've got the radiators on. So uh, now it's just left to warm you up. So I've got a question for you, and it's only fair I ask because I've asked the same question to Ollie. So it's your turn now. Who would you pick to play you in a movie? Oh, I remember you asking him that as well, and I actually thought at the time, <laughs> I was just like, who would I pick? Um, or someone who's more like me or someone who would be my ideal like who would i pick i mean i um, suppose the answer to that those two options no, will reveal a lot about not, <laughs> yeah not not because i'm comparing myself in any way shape or form but brad pitt <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's go brad pitt actually there's more similarities than i think yeah let's go there yeah <laughs> because eventually i think i will make the crossfit bath movie <laughs> so right. it'll be uh jason statham uh as Ollie, Brad Pitt as you. Yeah. It's going to be uh, an interesting... I yeah, can't wait to get Ed on and ask him. Oh, Ed, well, I know who Ed's is. I think Ollie even said it. Horatio from CSI Miami. That is literally Ed. Poor guy. Okay. But which one? Well, yeah. He's a good-looking boy. Ed Horatio. or Horatio? Well, both. <laughs> okay, here's a, a weird one. If you've been murdered in suspicious circumstances... Right. What fictional detective would you want to investigate and why? Fictional detective. It'd actually probably be... Um, no, it wouldn't be him. I'm actually giving this a lot of thought as well. Um, mainly because I don't know a lot of fictional detectives. Um, fire some names at me. I'm trying to think of some. Well, I mean, you've got your Sherlock Holmes, you've got yeah, your they're, they're, Poirot, your... Yeah, not really, they didn't really fire me up, those guys. Um, who would I do? Who would I have? I don't know, Jace. Who would I have? Um, I don't know. No, I've not. You're not giving it a lot of thought. Uh, to be honest, you didn't know this question was coming. No, but, I didn't um, know. You've, you've stumped me there. Yeah. Um, I think the, the only... Because there's no good answer because you're dead. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't care, really. So I would pick, personally, any one of the detectives that was ever on Death in Paradise because at least it meant I died in the Caribbean. And yeah, and I like what you've done there. I like, I like your angle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, the lead up was worth it, sort of thing. Yeah, no, it just goes to show how many kind of fictional programs I watch really with detectives because none of them actually spring to mind. Could have picked Batman, world's greatest detective. There is he go. a detective? His, his book is Detective Comics. So I'm going to okay, say he's well, a Batman, detective. To be fair, I love Batman. Let's go Batman. Can you just edit that whole thing and I just say just Batman? <laughs> I feel no. like it goes so much more smoothly if we do that. <laughs> so I'm scared now to ask this question. If you are, let's say, throwing a dinner party or you're having dinner with any two people from history, so any time, living or dead, who would you want at your dinner and why? But remember, there's two of them, so they're not just going to interact with you, but each other. Well, they're at my dinner party, so they are talking to me. I don't care about how they get on. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'd have uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, just because obviously being a Man United fan, probably our greatest ever manager, probably the greatest manager in Premier League history. Uh, so I'd definitely have Fergie, because um, I think he would tell you so much about kind of culture and how to build a team. And yeah, I'd just love to hear all the backroom stories from the, from our glory days, which are our glory days now, because they're long gone. Um, <laughs> and who else would I have? I'd probably have, uh, I was going to have like Roy Keane, because he's my other hero, but they don't get on so well anymore. So I, I won't have Roy Keane. Um, let's go. We'll go my other hero. We'll go Brooks Kepka. So number one golfer in the world. We'll go him. So um, I think that'd be a cool little trio. I'd offer absolutely nothing to those two. But <laughs> I think they'd have some cool discussions. Um, yeah, so Brooks Kepka and Fergie. And you would just be sort of bringing out the hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, exactly. I'd probably be cleaning the kitchen, mate, to be honest. Like cleaning up the mess I've made. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, I feel sufficiently warm. How are you feeling? Oh, yeah, super warm, yeah. Obviously, Shaq, you're, you're back in. We're, we're following up. And, well, initially, we were going to have a follow-up to our previous conversation about programming. Um, then you, you did a couple of things. You nearly killed us all on Monday last. Um, Monday last, what's that? That was the uh, split squats. Oh, yeah, I thought that was quite a nice one. I, I, my legs didn't think it was such a nice one. Uh, yeah, no, we, 15 split squats around isn't nice, that is it? With, what is it, two seconds down, yeah. second up? It's second the tempo the that top. hurts people. <laughs> just <laughs> took a long time to get through that. Yeah, I'm actually just looking at the program and she, as you talk. Yeah, okay, I'm reminding myself now. Yeah, so it was that. And then I think Tuesday there were a load of war balls in there. Yeah. Then Wednesday snatches. And um, we were all feeling a little broken. Yeah, I mean, I p- kind of put those war ball in there as a flush out more than anything. Eight to ten reps, light war balls, aerobic work. Uh, that's kind of that was my mindset with that. <laughs> but this coincided with uh, a post you put up on the the Facebook Tribe group, um, basically about this new programming block that that was starting. Or, I mean, I want to say, is it is it a complete change to the programming, or is it just a, a tweak, or it's just the same but you're being more transparent with what's happening? That's probably my first question. Um, probably all of the above, to be honest. Um, I felt like everyone needed a bit of transparency behind the programming, um, just so people knew where we were where we were going, really. Um, I felt like towards the end of the year, probably December, because obviously I knew there was going to be the disruption with uh, Christmas and New Year, I was just kind of spinning wheels a little bit, trying to get to January where I could get some structure back in place. So I felt like what I've basically done now is from January through to June, so I've done like a six-month block where basically I've laid out the objectives and the biases for the program each month um, because I always feel like it's it's easier to program if I know where we're going and then you kind of reverse engineer it so I think I said to you in the last podcast the difficulty is is knowing this program just rolls and rolls and rolls for you know until the end of time so like not having like an end destination it makes it hard to kind of plot your route if that makes sense so I thought to myself well if I do like a six month block and then within that six month block I can then break it down um, into things like the biases that you see this month with some of the single leg work, the upper pulling, 
Um, so it, A, it made my life a lot easier programming. And B, I think giving people constant touches on certain exercises, especially the beginners and the intermediates, it allows them to progress quicker. Because like I said, you can go from doing 15 dumbbell split squats at three kilos in each hand, then the next week doing them with five kilos. So just seeing that progression week to week, I think is what people um, people enjoy. Okay, so if we take the uh, the split squat then, just as our example, just to, because I think um, e- even though you obviously put the post up, well, one, not everybody read that. <laughs> sure they didn't. Uh, it's quite long. <laughs> <laughs> long for me. So one, not everybody read it. Two, maybe people read it and, you know, we, we all read workouts and at times misunderstand what we've read or don't quite get it, especially if we're new. Um, so if we take that, that split squat as an example, uh, over the next couple of weeks, what would we expect to see? And then also what would we be hoping is the results from if we're consistently there hitting those classes? Of course. So not only with the split squat, with a lot of the exercise at the minute, so the step-ups, the split squats, the rows, the push press, they're all starting in what I'd call like an endurance rep range. So giving people a chance to feel the movement out um, and actually get some reps under their belt to actually practice the movement, especially the beginners. Um, And then as we move through those sort of three, four weeks, those reps will come down into more of like a strength range I move to more like sort of like four to eight. And obviously, as you expect the reps to come down, you'd expect the loads to go up. Um, so that's obviously just trying to move us and prepare us ready for the back squat cycle that we're going to move into. Um, and I also always feel like it's better to start with endurance reps, moving into strength, uh, ready to hit some big compound lifts like the back squat. So there is no cherry picking anymore, because no. if you don't like the split squat, you're in trouble for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, the next four Monday and Tuesdays alternating. Yeah, you're in a spot of bother. Excellent. And so that, this is, we said, working on like single leg yep. strength. Uh, and then you said the next sort of phase would be moving into the, the back squats. Yep. So what do we expect to see? Because uh, again, you know, people that have been doing it for a long time or have been doing their own training for a long time will sort of maybe see immediately, oh yeah, if you do this, it's going to relate to this. This is how these will help each other. But again, if we're new to this or if we've just somebody who likes to come in and follow the programming and we don't know too much about how it works behind the scenes what do we expect to see then as like the transference from something like that into then our our heavy back squats hopefully better structural balance left to right so it's very rare that if you assess someone's left leg and right leg and even left arm right arm they're completely balanced so normally you're going to have a bias one side to the other and the problem is when you do what we call like bilateral exercises where you're working say like a squat or a deadlift and you're using both legs together the issue can be is if you have a stronger side, that can almost carry your weak side and actually your imbalance actually gets worse. So by doing a lot of single leg work, if you're working your left leg on a split squat, well, there's no way your right leg can help out. You have to obviously stay there and bias your left leg. So hopefully what it will do, I mean, I'm not expecting it in a month. So obviously there's suddenly all your imbalances are ironed out. You know, I'm just realistic with this, but it's just trying to give people a bit more, um, bit more awareness left to right and understand their weaknesses um, and hopefully that will kind of carry over, especially with the tempos. It will carry over into better squatting mechanics, a um, bit more glute engagement. Um, that's the plan anyway. So theoretically, as you said, it's not going to work. You didn't say it's not going to work. So it's not going to be some vast, incredible change over one month. No, I mean, I'll be selling the program for a lot of money if it was. <laughs> but if we were to sort of theoretically push this ahead now, let's say we, we, we continue this kind of thing and it comes back around again and again and again, and we, we keep doing that over you know, X number of months, years, whatever. Theoretically, if I'm just, you know, I want a heavy back squat, I'm just going to back squat. So I go in every time and I just go through different cycles of, of back squats, doing more reps, less reps, heavier weight, tempo, etc. 
because of that imbalance, there is going to be a point where that weakness in one side is just going to limit what I'm able to do. Is that correct? 100%. And, I, you know, I'll go back to, you know, Louis Simmons, who's like, you know, one of the top powerlifting coaches in the world. You know, a, a phrase he always coined is like, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And we've all heard that. But it's so, so true in a lot of these movements. Um, and, you know, like I say, you can, if you're a beginner and you're a raw beginner, you could back squat probably three times a week, light load, and your back squat will go up and it will continue to go up for probably three to six months. At some point, you're going to hit a shelf. Um, and that's where you need these kind of these assistance exercises. And you know, I call them like the vegetables. You need those in there to help bring up like your weak areas. Um, and ultimately, it depends what you want. I mean, if you're just training in here for health, which 99% of people are, like how big do you need your back squat? Do you need to be walking around your life with a 200 kilo back squat? I'd argue you probably don't. And to get there, it's probably going to be a detriment of someone else. Whereas if you're a competitive CrossFit athlete, yeah, you probably do need to be back squatting two and a half times, well, two times your body weight at least. If you say that the, or if not, if you say, if we observed that the majority of people that are, are doing CrossFit locally, uh, you know, in, in Bath or in Trowbridge, even, dare I say, globally, if you, you know, obviously the number of people doing CrossFit and the number of people that go to the games, even with how many now go to the games, it's still the majority are just doing it for themselves to, to feel good. Uh, so I would, I would ask then, if I'm doing it for health, are there going to be, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I'm asking as if I don't, but are there going to be more health benefits to training, you know, single leg over, you know, if I've got, one would imagine if I have a weakness on one side of my body, addressing that in the gym will somehow carry over to daily life. Definitely. And, and I think, you know, if you just take single leg exercises as an example, I think they probably have more carryover to things that we do outside, you know, things like running. You know, when you run, you're only ever planting one foot at a time. Um, you know, do you need to be, say, back squatting double body weight if you're going to run a marathon? Probably not. But do you need to get strong in your glutes and your hips? Do you need to have good mobility? Yeah, probably you do. And um, I think I think sometimes we can get caught up by seeing all this stuff on Instagram. We're seeing the CrossFit, the sport stuff of Joe Bloggs squatting, say, double body weight as an example again. And actually, if you're in here for health reasons, you, you probably don't need to be doing that, in all honesty. Um because most people don't move well enough to get the benefits of that. You know, I always say, like, it's all well and good having a functional exercise, but if the body you're doing it with isn't functional itself, then it doesn't become a functional exercise. So if your hips don't move how hips should move, and your ankles don't move very well because you sit down all day and, you know, everything's all glued up, well, sticking double bodyweight back squat on and trying to, you know, do it for reps, you're just loading a dysfunctional pattern. So, yeah, at the start, it's great. You know, your back squat will go up 5, 10 kilos every month, but at some point, you're going to have a you know, a break point where it'll be, I don't know, it could be a goblet squat, it could be a thruster where your body just says, nope, and the hip goes or a knee goes. Um, and I will say to people, you're not here to get hurt. You're here for this to enhance your life and leave the gym feeling better than when you walk in, which some people still have, a, you know, still struggle with. They want to be crawling out because they feel that's the only way they're going to get any benefit from the program. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy to walk out. To <laughs> I'm uh, rare are the days I want to crawl out. So that's sort of the one side of it, but there's also the... Um, aerobic capacity build that's going on at the same time yep uh, so that's sort of the alternating day yep um, and, and i've seen today you know so we're recording this on the monday which is why the podcast didn't come out on the monday <laughs> sorry um so we're recording this on the monday last week it was tuesday that we did uh it was two 10 minute amraps with three minute break yeah, in, three between. Minute rest in between yeah. uh, and this time it's i think 12 and four minutes yep, in, in between. so i have not yet done this I will be doing it at five o'clock. So, 
<laughs> not long now. But um, how is this helping us then? So again, it, it comes down it comes down to energy systems and what I want people to prioritize in terms of trying to train their aerobic energy system. Um, so it, the the nuts and bolts of this are is we're trying to I'm trying to get people to find a pace that they could hold a conversation at. So if you look at them, you know, most of the top athletes and how most people tend to train, ignoring kind of like the CrossFit sport world, um, it tends to be a sustainable effort. Because um, I don't know why you'd want to do anything that's not sustainable. The whole point of this is trying to, you know, sustain your life and sustain things you do outside. So I've never understood, well, obviously I've been in that world, but now I don't understand why people would do, do something where it's not sustainable and they just drill themselves into the ground. So the whole idea of obviously working for 10 minutes, resting three minutes, and then repeating exactly the same is to give people an idea of pacing. And I know that's what pacing is like a big faux pas. You should never say pacing in the CrossFit world because it's all about high intensity. And intensity has its place. It really does. But I think if you're looking for general health, this is my personal opinion. If you're looking to be healthy, you know, I think weight training and training aerobically is the healthiest thing you could do. In terms of, you know, biomarkers like cortisol levels, especially if you're not sleeping well as well, coming in into the gym. And I mean, imagine, imagine I said, you know, put the programming out and, you know, Monday was Fran, Tuesday was like heavy grace. And not every day you're coming in and you're dreading it. Like you think what that would have health implications wise, not only mentally, but on your body. Like we're not designed to be doing such high intense work all week. Um, you know, touching on it once a week or so is absolutely fine. But ultimately, you know, I'm looking at people down there and 99.9% .9 of them are coming in to better their lives. And it's, it's actually interesting. I, I had a conversation with someone in the gym the other day, and obviously I won't name any names. And uh, this person came in to see me, and they were asking, you know, they basically wanted a, a program to sort out their performance. And they were like, I want to get pull-ups, I want to do X, I want to you know, bench press this. And I was like, is it really getting stronger that's really important to you, or is it something else? And it wasn't until we had had a conversation for 20 minutes, and this person basically ended up saying, I'm actually really scared of dying. And the reason I come to the gym is I'm actually really scared of death. And I was like, right, okay, that, that's an interesting, you know, interesting. And, uh, I, said, I said, why is that? I said, well, I had health, health implications, you know, a few years back. And ever since then, I've really prioritized my health. So I was like, you're coming at me saying you care about all these pull-up numbers, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, that isn't really what you care about, is it? You care about feeling healthy and living a prosperous life. So I was like, I think sometimes people need to be honest with themselves to why they actually come to the gym. I think they kind of, we get indoctrinated through Instagram and social media that we should be doing X, Y, and Z in the gym and lifting this and lifting that. But actually, I think when you get to a certain point in your life, you realize that this is about longevity and feeling healthy. And someone's why might be being able to play with their kids in the park. And, you know, so that's where I go back to the, you know, squatting double body weight. Is that necessary for them? If it means it's going to trash their knee in three months' time, again, probably not. So I think everyone should have an honest conversation with themselves and sit down and be like, why do I actually come to the gym? What, what, is, my, what is my why? Because motivation, it's just a feeling. It comes and goes. Whereas if you have a strong why, that is what will keep you coming back over and over again. And I think some people just, they haven't had that honest conversation with themselves yet. Yeah, and I think, I think as well, sometimes it's so like, how many pull-ups can I do? Is it, It's an easy measurement. So I can do none. I can do 10. I can do 50. Like it, It's very easy for me to see am I fit? Well, how many pull-ups can I do? Oh, I can't do any. I'm not fit. Or oh, I can do this many then I'm super fit. Um, and I, I think maybe that, you know, the same with what am I, you know, what are my bench numbers or what am I, you know, what's my back squat? It's just a very easy way to go, well, I used to only be able to do this. Now I can do this. That must mean by default that I am now 
this much fitter than I was before. Um, but as you said, if I hit that number by, you know, breaking every other part of my body, but this number's great, it doesn't transfer over. So maybe something like this one where you've got, you know, the AMRAP, a break, repeat it. And it's there's still that that almost level of competition, even though it's a competition with yourself, because you're saying, well, oh, I got four rounds, oh, I got four and a half rounds, or I got five and I got five again, or or oh, I got six and then I got four. Uh-oh, something's gone wrong. But I, I think maybe people just need, it's it's very difficult, even though now you've got, you know, all your watches and your monitors and this and that, and there's apps and so many ways people can tell you if you're healthy or not. Sometimes it just seems like having a number just makes it very easy to understand oh yeah i'm i'm in better shape or i'm not and maybe what you're saying is well actually maybe the numbers you're using as your measuring line aren't the numbers you should be using and perhaps there's other things to look i for. mean it, ultimately if you, if you care about your performance and you know you're aiming for a competition great you know if you we keep using back squats we can stay with it you know let's say your back squat goes up 10 kilos but actually now you're wearing an extra knee sleeve because your knee hurts well that's just you, you know that you understand that inherent risk of doing it as a sport like if you play rugby but if you're coming in for health reasons if your back squat goes up 10 kilos but now all of a sudden you know your shoulders are aching your knees are aching and you're actually in pain well i would argue you're not any healthier you're not any fitter and i think I think with gadgets and stuff, people have stopped listening to their bodies. This is the problem is everyone's like, look at their watch, been like, oh, what have I done today? How healthy am I feeling? And people have lo- lost that intuition of actually listening to what they're feeling because they just rely on these fitness trackers, which are great on the whole. But a lot of the time, everyone says, you know, you must listen to your body. And, and in training, you should listen to your body. In competition, yeah, you tell it to shut up and you do what you got to do. Um, but yeah, I, I just think pe- people are, are still kind of in this CrossFit sport mindset where they're coming in and trying to compete day-to-day. And I tell you now, if you go and watch any top athlete, crossfitter, triathlete, whatever, they'll finish every training session and they'll be like, yeah, that was like a 7 or 8 out of 10. Yeah, when it gets close to competition, they're putting themselves in the hole. Um, but, you know, they're, they're trying to train for longevity and they, if they just wreck themselves every day, it has a shelf life that. And like I said, I've done it. I've been there. And I, I guess the the problem we have, again, with, with your Instagrams and everybody having a YouTube channel now and all of this is, what's maybe you know obviously what's a probably even a four for matt fraser is an 11 for me so i'm looking at that going oh he's doing that okay i could i could scale that down a little bit and do this but my scaling it is still probably now taking it to a nine and it was still only a four for him to begin with so yeah and as you said i'm going to finish that destroyed and for him that was sort of his morning workout just to get him feeling loose and ready for yeah, whatever he was doing in the afternoon. And I, th- I think I think the problem is, is not just with CrossFit, is people will look at a top athlete and they will look at the training they're doing now and they'll try and copy that. And I remember someone saying to me years ago, they're like, look at the training these people were doing 20 years ago. That's what you need to start with and then build up to that. And, you know, look at Frodin and people like that. They were doing loads of bodybuilding. I'm not saying everyone should be a bodybuilder, far from it. But they had a base of support for their CrossFit activity. Whereas people now are coming into it from naught, they're sitting down all day, to 100 and then just absolutely blasting themselves and wanting to copy all of Froning's workouts, not realizing he probably spent six, seven years actually, say, building his body to prepare the loads and the volume that he would be doing in CrossFit. Um, and that, that's, where I, that's where I see a bit of, a, bit of an issue because people are breaking down, especially, you know, I won't name any affiliates, but you know, I've seen affiliates programming, I've heard what people are doing, and I'm just like, no wonder everyone is breaking. Like, and we spoke at the start, we said about consistency. 
And yeah, you could go in for one session a week. I mean, I've, I've heard some horror stories of where people have gone in, done 60 minute workouts and got trashed at an affiliate and they haven't been able to train for the whole week because they're so beat up. Well, say that person went in, they just did 20 minutes and they did three or four sessions a week, at maybe a lesser intensity. How much more beneficial would that be for them than just doing one 60 minute session and getting nailed? I guess it's it's funny, is it? Because it's just kind of, I mean, there's a lot of this mentality around about like uh, hacking, you know, kind of hack the body and we'll we'll find a better way to do it. And we'll, and I guess with some things you just, I mean, it's like if you're trying to you know grow a plant, if you sort of plant a, a tree, you can't sort of, oh, I'll, I'll add this or I'll add that and I'll, I'll mix it this way. And I'll, I'll, I'll water it twice a day instead of once a day. And, and that way it's going to grow twice as fast. You can't speed up barley. You can't speed, you know, you can't speed up how quickly your body will recover. <laughs> And and I think that that's maybe the trap we fall in. We want results much quicker than is reasonable. Yeah, and uh, that's an interesting point because it's like my, my argument would be is how fit me, – me and Ollie have spoke about this. How fit do you need to be? And once you've decided that, what the hell is the rush? Why is everyone in such a rush to get really, really fit? Because ultimately, like, you're going to be training, hopefully, for the next 40, 50 years. So – and our bodies aren't like some oil painting that you can get to this level of fitness and physique – and all of a sudden you can just click save and you have that forever. You will constantly be working on your body, be eating well, training. So yeah, let's say you do this eight weeks where you just go nuts, high intensity classes all day, every day. But then what? Like, you, Is that sustainable? Can you continue doing that for another 15, 20 years? And I'd, it's, I'd argue if the answer is no, well, then why the hell are you doing it now? I do like the idea that you can click save on an oil painting. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> A metaphorical save. A metaphorical save. Yeah. Bye. Um, yeah, I, I mean, all all great points so far. I th- I think. On one more point, if you don't mind me saying, I, I think I think the, what people need to get their head around is that there's kind of this continuum, which again, this is kind of my personal opinion, where there's kind of this like this health at one end, and then you sorry, you have sickness at one end, then you have health in the middle, then you have fitness, and the further you move away from sickness, i.e., towards fitness, the healthier and the, you know the better you are. And, and I disagree with that because I actually think these guys and girls that are super fit, let's talk CrossFit athletes, they are not healthy. And they know they're not healthy because if you looked at their biomarkers, you know, they're trashed. They're absolutely trashed because they understand they're doing something that's very extreme and dangers lie in the extremes in everything in life. So I think you have to make that call. And we said about it earlier is why the hell are you coming in here? Because if you're coming in for health, that basically that road forks off a completely different direction of fitness. So if you feel like you need to leave the gym, like crawling out, like say white, pale, blue lips, like you've just done Fran every day, then I argue you're probably addicted to that kind of cortisol rush, that adrenaline rush. And, you know, people make comments all the time down here. They'll do a hard workout and they'll be like, oh, that was like proper CrossFit that. I'm like, what is proper CrossFit? And they're like, well, you know, just like that sort of workout where you just, you know, you can't walk afterwards and you're crawling out. I was like, that ain't proper CrossFit. If you looked at what we were doing 10, 11 years ago, the intensity was nothing like what it is now, what people perceive it to be. And a lot of that has come from the sport. And I think CrossFit are doing a really, really good job now at trying to flip that mindset and actually making people realize that actually the sport is the 0.1%. And in the affiliates, it's more about the health and the longevity of training. And so. And I, I guess it, it's the same, though, isn't it, even for that 0.1%. So the, the athletes uh, that are going to the games, I mean, there are some that have been going for many years and mm-hmm. so you can you know you can literally look back and say well look these are events they were doing 10 years ago yep these were the weights uh, these were the rep schemes you know this was a workout nobody finished that was repeated 5 years later and everybody finished it with a, a higher weight or a higher rep scheme so they've done a similar thing in that it's been a 
a progression over sure. time that obviously the sport you know it, if you, you put a challenge out people come they do it then they go home and they train and they train and they train you've got to then increase that challenge the next year and the next year because otherwise it, it becomes kind of pointless yep. so they've been doing it progressively over time and it's getting harder and harder and harder and then you've got people coming in now sort of coming into the the crossfit world for health or just for fitness or yep. just because they wanted a change or whatever and you're seeing now the kind of elite athlete who is 10 years into their games career mm-hmm. and being like oh okay i that's cro- that's crossfit yes and you're like well no that's a competition now yeah that's a a, a form of crossfit yeah and I, and I think that's that that's what you have to differentiate and i remember saying this in the last last podcast that you have to differentiate the sport and the health and once you've made that decision of what you want to do, then we'll back you to the hill. And if it's sport you want to do, then yeah. You know, when times of intensity and you've got to dig in, yeah, we'll be the first in your face telling you to go faster. But ultimately, most people aren't doing that. Most people aren't here for that reason. And, you know, the, the clock is just a tool for us to see when we need to finish, when the time cap is. And I think if you make the task of the brain all about the clock in terms of going faster, well, guess what you're going to care about? Moving faster. And like I said, I mean, I've, I've never in 12 years gone out outside in the real world and put a clock on and done something for time chopping wood or anything like that it's you know it's it's a i don't know i I think we're indoctrinated with crossfit with the clock and the whiteboard and i'm not a huge fan of it i think it has its has its value but ultimately as long as people are recording in their logbooks or waterfly or wherever as long as they're recording what they're doing so they can improve week to week that's all i really care about i don't compare about you know i don't care about comparing people you know to their buddies yeah it's quite fun to do um i'm not sure how how necessary it is. Um, it, it depends on the individual, I guess. It's kind of one of the things, I guess, it, for some it really works. Um, it's very easy to to run with the, with, mm-hmm. run with what you're given and say, like, okay, I see how this will help me and I'll use it yep. in, a, in a way to motivate me to go a, a little bit harder than if I was you know, on my own at home with no clock and I could just say, oh, that's probably enough. I'm a bit tired now. So it, it is useful in that it gives you that little push because I know myself... I've got stuff at home, but if I do a home workout, I'm, you know, like I'll do ten rounds, five rounds, and I'm like, yeah, that's probably enough, really. <laughs> We're being realistic. But that's great, though. That's uh, it's great that you've got that intuition because actually, more isn't always better. So five rounds could be better for you, and like, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, no one should be made to feel bad that they they do do that because if it means that you can then train tomorrow and the next day, then you made the right call. Yeah, I, I think it's that if I was in the gym with other people, I'd have done the ten rounds. Yeah, and and. I'd have been fine. <laughs> oh, okay, so if you're just being lazy, all right. <laughs> I, just, I just think it is that I feel that being in, for me personally, being in in the group environment, having and even you know knowing now because I'm kind of always in the same same class. This is why it's going to be interesting today at five. Got no one to compare yourself yeah, against. I, I don't know who <laughs> who's the pace setter. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'll point a couple out for you. Yeah, the slow ones. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I, I do find that occasionally I'll, I'll sort of pick someone like, okay, I know that usually on this workout we're sort of at a similar, and maybe they're going fractionally faster than I would have chosen to go. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, well, we normally kind of pace quite well off each other, yep. so I'll speed up a little bit, or sometimes I'll slow down a little bit, whatever. I do find that useful. Um, and then, you know, things like knowing that, oh, I've only got 40 more seconds left. I'm going to just, I've, I've still, I feel like I've still got a bit of energy left. Let me push a little bit harder here. But I do see the danger that for some, it's three, two, one, go, and then, oh no, yeah. what 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 happens when the clock stops? <laughs> I need. Yeah, to... I, I don't know, and I, 
I, I always use weird analogies, and I guess this is another weird one. But I think CrossFit health, you're using fitness as a vehicle to get you from A to B. And ultimately, you don't really care what the vehicle is. You're just like, well, just get me there. And if, if B is, like I said, being able to play with your kids and then ling- live a long and prosperous life, then you don't really care if you're rolling around in a Skoda or a Ferrari. You just, just get me to my destination. If it's comfortable, great. Whereas I think when people are doing CrossFit as a fitness program, as a sport, they're not actually taking their car out on the road. It's like in a workshop and they're trying to make their car look as amazing as possible, sticking new spoilers on, new neon lights, you name it. And then they'll roll that out to a competition and they'll get judged on how good their car looks. So I'm like, you know, is is fitness a vehicle to get you what you want or is it so that you really care about the performance, the look of it, um, in which case you need to have your 20 muscle-ups in a row, et cetera, et cetera, i.e. a great spoiler. Um, I hope that makes sense in terms of what I'm trying to say there in terms of a lot of the time it doesn't need to be sexy, the fitness, as in it doesn't need to be a good-looking car. It just needs to get you to your goals. And if that means that you just do Russian kettlebell swings and burpees, that's probably all you need. Um, whereas I think people can overcomplicate their training and they want to be doing all the fancy stuff and the ring muscle-ups and that. And I'm like, you might not ever get those. But ultimately, it doesn't matter because it's not going to change your life because you've told me your goal is playing with your kids in the park until you're 60. So do you need to get a ring muscle-up and stress yourself out because you can't get them? No, probably not. Like, understand, your, again, it comes back to your why. Know why you're coming to the gym. And as long as your training reflects your why, happy days. And I mean, you might get that, that ring muscle-up in 10 years if you're consistent if you maybe keep coming and your you know small increments are still increments aren't they yep. so it's somebody who comes and they just pour it all into getting that yet yeah, they might get there faster than you but it doesn't mean if you're saying well i'm training primarily for health i'm just gonna because theoretically you are gonna you know if you're if you're consistent and you're eating well and you're sleeping well you're getting all the other of things course. your performance is going to increase of course yeah so um so it shouldn't be a case of sort of because it, it can seem almost like you're making a sacrifice. You're sort of saying, "Oh, if I'm going to do it for health, then I have to give up on it, on ever achieving these these sort of things." And it's not necessarily no, that, is it? No, and, and and maybe I should have made that clear. It's not that at all. Because ultimately, if you're you'll, you'll get to a level of performance, and then I guess it's I guess it's like starting off on a road, and your performance and your health go together, and then there'll come a fork in the road where it's like, well, "What am I choosing here?" And like you said, for most people, their performance and health will go together and they might get muscle-ups. But let's be completely honest, that there'll be some people that will train for the next 20 years and they will never get a muscle-up because they may be trained two or three times a week and for various reasons, they will just never get one. And that's fine. That's okay. That doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you less of an athlete, less of a person. It just You've just got to understand. You've just got to be realistic. And we'll always tell... We'll never tell people they can't do anything, like to their face. But... Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when they walk away. When yeah, when they walk <laughs> away, I'm like, oh, you never get a muscle up. But you know what I'm trying to say? Um, I, I just think you've got to be realistic. You've got to be realistic with your goals. And, you know, we've got enough anxieties and stresses in our life now. And you leaving the gym because you failed a muscle up or you didn't get as many as you wanted because you, you know, you've got five last week, you've got three this week. It doesn't matter. Like, as long as you keep training, keep giving your best effort, give 100% when you walk in, everything will be fine. <laughs> it really will. I think as well, like, I don't know, it seems that we think, other people maybe someone who can do a muscle up or someone who can do a you know whatever movement that i'm trying to get and then they see me and i can't do it and they you know they they have some kind of superiority Mm -hmm. feeling against but from my experience of knowing quite a lot of people now in the at least in in the bath gym um like everyone is so encouraging and helpful and and they they get it like they get this kind of thing of oh yeah you know oh yeah i can do muscle ups yeah yeah well you know it just happens that 
before doing this i used to do a lot of gymnastics or before doing this i you know did something else that it's transitioned over quite well oh but you know don't make me snatch because my overhead position is terrible like most people get it and are quite but i think especially when we're new and we it's always going to be that isn't it there's a class of 10 people there's probably one who's nailing everything and for some reason we like zoom in on that person and we just imagine that everyone else is also like that and they're not no and i think i think that's an important point to stop on is i think you know i try and make it clear whenever there is a complex workout and it's handstand push-ups it's muscle-ups whatever and you got some beginners and they're looking at the board they're like oh my god there's no way i can do that but i make a point right at the start of saying if you're scaling this workout you're in the majority of people it's going to be the one to five percent of people that are doing this rx 95 percent of people are scaling this right back and you know you're scaling it back to maybe just push-ups and ring rows and that is the level that you need right now and i think that that's that's the art in you know obviously what we do in terms of the coach is trying to yeah it's a group training program but you can individualize it. And again, me and Ollie talk about this all the time is, you know, can we individualize the group, the, the class to individuals? So where um, it's the right level for them, because it doesn't take any intelligence as a coach to destroy people. Honestly, it's the easiest thing in the world to do. If I, if I want to just destroy people, you just get them on a salt bike, do burpees, sprint hills. It's honestly so, so easy. So there's no intelligence to that. So when people say, oh, I've done this brutal workout, I'm like, great. That's honestly the easiest thing to program. What takes intelligence is, seeing where someone is right now and giving them exactly what they need to get a little bit better where you stimulate a, a response, a positive response, and you're not absolutely annihilating them without for four days and you're giving them exercises that are within their capabilities in terms of ranges of motion. That's where intelligence comes in and that's where that's what CrossFit coaches should be, not just CrossFit coaches, any coach should be doing in a group scenario is tweaking things so everyone is getting the exact workout they need. Yeah, they're all doing what looks like thrusters and pull-ups, but it's individual to them. No, I think I think with movements, it's funny because when we talk about scaling, like nobody has an issue with scaling weight. So if it's a, a clean, like tonight, I think we've got uh, power, power cleans at one point or uh, I don't know, uh, bar deadlifts or whatever it is. You look at the board and it's like, oh, this is the RX weight. And you look, go in, you go, oh, I'm not going to be able to do that. Oh, no, I'll, you know, knock 10 off each end and that'll be good for me. Like that, because it's so easy to do, it's just a little bit of maths admittedly i struggle with math but it's a little bit of math (laughs) most do to be fair so it's quite easy to just say okay i know how to deadlift i can do a deadlift i can't well maybe i could do one or two reps at that weight but you know it's saying 12 reps so what i'll do is i'll just knock the weight down a little bit job done but when somebody sees a movement on the board so like handstand push-ups there's you know again if you've been coming for a long time you probably see that you're like oh not going to be doing that i'll be doing you know pike push-ups or you know wall climbs or whatever you usually use to substitute it for but again, if we're kind of new or if we're not used to that or we just don't really get how scaling works, you'll come in and it's like, ah, handstand push-ups. I can't do that. And it's not as easy as, oh, just knock some weight off. And I think that's where people then feel, oh, it's like if I'm not doing the movement, I'm not doing the workout. So I'm I'm failing. I need to get handstand push-ups. Whereas somebody who sort of says, well, I know I'm never going to be able to deadlift that weight. Yeah, yeah. There's not this sort of battle going on in their mind of, oh, but I need to get to that weight so I can do the yeah. workout. And, and, and again, I think that comes down to education from the coaches and making people realize, well, you're not going to get a handstand push-up if you haven't got at least 10 good push-ups. So like, it, it's just like rungs on a ladder. And I think I remember Alex saying this, is that you, know, you need to be able to go from one rung to another and climb it up. And if handstand push-ups is at the top, being able to do 10 perfect push-ups is at the bottom rung. 
And what you'll get is you'll get a lot of people at the bottom of the ladder jumping as high as they can and trying to catch a rung three quarters of the way up and trying to fluke a movement. And, and you might be able to fluke it for one or two sessions, but ultimately, if you haven't built that base of support, especially under fatigue and high reps, you won't be able to sustain it. Um, so when people like, you know, they're chopping it back to just a push-up, they're like, well, this isn't a handstand press-up. It's like, but understand that you need these first. It's a prerequisite. And prerequisite's a word I use all the time. So, if you, you know, people say, I don't want to do a muscle-up. How many strict pull-ups you got? One? Well, no. Give me eight strict pull-ups, and then we'll talk about getting you a muscle-up. So, you know, and I, and I see it all the time in affiliates where people like just teach people to kip more. And I'm just like, yeah, it looks great. It looks great through Instagram posts that you've just got Doris over here to link a muscle-up together. But I'm like, she is going to break, and her shoulder is going to tear probably in about three months. And so it just frustrates me that we're battling with that a lot of the time because I'm such an advocate for strict movement. Hence why I put a load of strict pull-ups and stuff in. Because um, again, unless you're doing the sport, do you need to do a ton of kipping pull-ups and stuff like that? I'd argue probably not because most people's shoulders just aren't ready for it just because of the way we live our lives now. I think last time uh, we spoke about this balancing act that you have of putting in what people need. Yeah. The <laughs> oh, you, remember, you know what I I'm going to say. I know exactly where you're going with <laughs> Putting in what people need versus putting in what is kind of cool and that they mm -hmm. want to do and that they'll come back to do because again if you're just you know it's like the plate of vegetables if you're just giving someone this is all the healthy food just eat the healthy food and there's never any kind of sweet or any treat yeah. there you know they'll do it for a while and then they'll get bored and go off you know go to mcdonald's and have fast yep. food whatever and so you've kind of still got to do this sort of balancing act um but w with the with the new sort of program so there's a lot more transparency now in the program but we're still having you know with like this um so again going back to last week we had these uh split squats yep but then you know at the end you've got that 10 minute kind of finisher little finisher so you're still getting the of course the fun yeah i mean if, I, if it, you it think fun it's fun <laughs> yeah and and i, and I think I, I think that's important to, to have in there um but it's just understanding intensities I, i'm just if every single workout you feel like you need to just drive yourself into the ground, there's there's an issue there. And it might be, like I said, you're addicted to that kind of that cortisol feeling, that adrenaline rush. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. I'm just, but you're never in there. Yeah. So I, I suppose, because I, mean, I think we, we spoke, I'm sure, on the last one as well about scaling. And we've talked about scaling before. And it, it seems that maybe we should scale more often than we think. Does that make sense? Um, in the sense of like, quite often there will be a number on the board, a number of reps or a number of, you know, or, or a weight or whatever. And we look at that and we're like, yeah, I can do that. So I must do that. And that I think is the, maybe the mistake we're making at times because sometimes you're coming in and you're like, yeah, I can do that on a good day. Today is not a good day. I should scale. Or I can do that a couple of times but according to what i'm reading here i need to be doing this over 30 minutes you know and i'm not going to be able to repeat that so but that i guess that takes humility on our part to sort of admit it, it, it where takes, we are again it's education from the coach it's from us and, and it's explaining to you guys that the dose response what is the stimulus of this workout what are we trying to achieve and so like today work today's workout is a prime example of that we've got five power cleans around you know you're going to have seven ish minutes to do that last little section after you've rode 1k so in my head i'm thinking it's roughly about around a minute for the real elite guys so they're gonna be doing like six rounds say so it's 30 power cleans there times that by two 60 power cleans so at 50 kilos for the gents 
I will be saying to people tonight, if your power clean isn't 100 kilos or more, you need to bring this weight down. Because you need that 50 kilos needs to feel like a 50% load or less. Because ultimately, it's like kind of lung training. You should be able to just keep moving through. As soon as that feels like it turns into a strength effort, because your power clean's 80 kilos, well, then you've kind of lost the stimulus of today. Like tomorrow is more the more strengthy one. Uh, yeah, well, Monday. Yeah, tomorrow is more like split squats, building some strength. Today, we're training your lungs. We're not trying to get your power clean stronger today. We're not trying to increase strength per se. Yeah, beginners will get stronger from this workout. But it's understanding what is the what is the objective of the workout today. And then, it, you know, if it's a workout where we want it to be slow and grindy and your one rep max deadlift is 150 kilos and it's set at 100K, we might be like, as long as your form's good, go for it. Because I don't mind you doing three rounds instead of five because the idea today is to get a bit stronger. So it's just understanding what the stimulus of the workout is. So what, in your ideal world... Oh God, do you want to go in there? <laughs> Probably not. But what would you like from the members when they're looking at the programming maybe before coming in or when they you know some we were having this discussion the other day about who looks beforehand mm -hmm. who doesn't want to know sort of so but but once you're in you see the whiteboard what would you like the members to be doing when they look at the programming for them to really get the full benefit because obviously you're writing the programming yep you're coaching some of the classes but not the majority of the classes so obviously the coaches know probably what you want sure. or, or, you know, they read the program, they know what should be the the result of today's workout, what you're looking for. But when we come in, I mean, again, they can tell us what they want, but at the end of the day, we're the ones, you know, if, if someone says to me, go light, they don't necessarily know what's light for me. I yeah. know that. So I need to be the one sort of making decisions. So what would you like to see from the members so that they fully benefit or get the, you know, the most out of the programming that you're preparing so I'd, I'd say two things on that firstly is logging what you're doing and I, like i said i don't care if that's in a water fire it's in the notes on your phone but just when we say compared to last week try and go slightly heavier than last week instead of them all just like scratching their heads being like i can't remember what i did last week i'm like just having that weight of okay i did eight kilo dumbbells last week okay we'll try and use nine this week it makes everyone's lives a little bit easier and we all want to see progression like you said earlier we're all here to get better whether it be fitness, um, performance, health, whatever. So if you're doing 10 pull-ups with the blue band in the ninth hole, and now you're doing 10 pull-ups with the blue band in the eighth hole, you're seeing a progression, you're seeing improvement, and that keeps you motivated, that kind of keeps you being like, actually, this program does work, as opposed to just spinning wheels. Not stop, I use a ring row as an example. I'll say to people, make sure the rings are set at exactly the same height, start with your feet directly underneath, and then just start taking paces forward so then you know week one, okay, I had my feet three paces forward for a set of five. Well, next week, I'm going to try and go four paces forward. Just small little things like that rather than just setting up on a rings and just rowing. So that'd be the first thing. I'd say logging it. And secondly, it's a mindset shift. It's just trying to think, trying to stop thinking that harder is better all the time. Um, inconsistency is what's ultimately going to win you the game. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, I'd say cons consistency just trumps everything. I said that to you at the start. And you can be more consistent with your training if you're not absolutely ending yourself every single session. And yeah, it might not be as sexy. You can't take your little sweat angel photo on the floor afterwards. And there are time, there is a time for it. And I say it might be once a week, once every other week, I'll put it in there. But leave the gym feeling like, you know, what? I had a great session here and I can go home and I don't need to have a nap because I'm so exhausted. <laughs> and I mean, I was just thinking like when you're saying, you know, there is a, a time and a place for that. And I mean, that's maybe where the open comes into it. Like yeah. that's a good, you know, there's because I found that with the open in the in the past sort of you do that one workout and 
that's your workout for the week almost because you yeah. just you you destroy yourself on it sort of thing um or maybe you know you've you've got a competition coming up that you're going to go to or something like that so having the idea that okay that's when i'm going to really let rip and just go for it but the rest of the time i'm going to be a bit conservative and try and kind of keep keep training to training and not to competing exactly on yeah. a weekly basis and, and, it, and it ultimately like i think what the overarching point of this is it comes down to you know your your nervous system in terms of like your rest and digest mode and your fight and flight mode and you know our fight and flight mode used to be used to run away from danger for a lion for 15 20 seconds i mean we either got away or we got eaten one of the two um so it, you know that fight or flight mode is is um prehistorically is there for a real short sharp burst whereas now we live in that fight or flight mode from work emails to commuting to arguing with our house to arguing with our boss whatever it might be we are constantly in that mode so then coming into the gym and getting a higher dose of that by doing assault bike sprints or fran or whatever it might be, actually you're making yourself more unhealthy because actually what you probably need is something that's going to work energy into your body as opposed to work energy out. Um, but if you've had a, you know, a load of rest, you feel great and you feel like you can go to some tensity, do it, like, absolutely. But just understand the health implications it can have on your body when you do too much of it. I am going to cut the little clip of you saying, Doing the ass- assault bike is unhealthy. <laughs> and I'm just going to save that. And I'm not saying that. I love you. When I bike. come in and that's on the board, I'm just going to play that <laughs> and walk out. That wasn't uh, what I was saying. Like, like I said, intensity, intensity is it's, it's got it definitely got its place. But it's just understand, and it goes back to said listening to your body, understand what it can do. So finally, then I suppose uh, I'd be remiss not to ask what what are we going to see in the coming? Because you've said you've prepared quite a lot. So just maybe a a little uh, a little spoiler for what's coming ahead um right so obviously this month our focus is around sort of single leg strength upper pulling strength so we've got uh, horizontal pulls and vertical pulling so obviously with the um the rows and then the pull-ups uh then the focus moving through into february is going to be like a back squat cycle and upper pressing um obviously we've got some aerobic work obviously mixed in with all this um hinging for march is going to go into like a hinging cycle so it might be like sumo deadlifts or deadlifts and then we're going to really hammer like core strength in that so you'll notice a lot of you know obviously core strength involved in a lot of it but have have more of a bias so when, when is the core strength coming in <laughs> uh march march is, is that like getting in? getting you beach ready yes, for... <laughs> yeah just the la abs so um that's in that's in march uh april we'll go back to some single leg strength again but we'll vary it so it'll be some different exercises uh, maybe some different rep ranges um, and we're going to mix that in with upper pressing strength again. Um, and again, that's going to be different to what we did in February. Uh, May is going to be a little front squat cycle um, with some upper pulling. And then June is going to be a hinging cycle. Uh, again, it'll be different. So if it is deadlifts in March, it might be sumo deadlifts in June, for example, and more core strength. So over those six months, we've basically got two biases on single leg strength, two biases on hinging, two biases on squatting, and two biases on upper pressing and two biases on core. But obviously, you know, they, there will be stuff sprinkled in and around that, as you've noticed already. And so that's, it gives you an idea then that basically every kind of, every couple of months, you're going to be coming back to a similar, not the same movement, but sort of a similar, the same stimulus, but a similar movement a, pattern. A, yeah. It, you know, hitting it in a slightly different way. So exactly, if you, you know, maybe you, you, you struggled a little bit with not so much that it was single leg strength, but it was just particularly that position you yep. didn't like, well, you're going to have a chance to try Some something else. different, but, to get the same same results but at the same time if you then saw oh well you know we did all that single leg stuff and then i found my back squat went up mm-hmm. it's going to be nice when you come back to another sort of definitely hit of, of single legs going oh great and then 
let's see what happens to my front squat after this, something yeah. like that. Brilliant. But I haven't said as well, obviously, this month we're obviously doing a snatch cycle. Um, then we'll probably move into clean and jerk in, in February. And then we'll probably just alternate the two, to be honest, because I feel like people get more benefit if they're touching on it each week as opposed to doing it sort of every other yeah, week. Yeah, so is, is snatch going to be then consistently on Wednesday now we're going to be... It will be for the rest of this month. Yeah. This so month. we've got four, four snatch sessions. So Wednesday coming will be the second of four. So we'll ultimately just be building up. It's a real short cycle. I mean, most weightlifting cycles are normally minimum six weeks. Um, so granted, it is only four weeks, but I think we keep, keep repeating those month on month. Yeah, but I think that is good because if you miss one, like it, before, you know, if you did cleans, then the following Wednesday, for whatever reason, you, you couldn't come in. Then you came in the next Wednesday and you're back on cleans. By the time you get to do a snatch, it's like past a couple, exactly. quite a few weeks. And you just, whereas if you drill it consistently for a, a while, even if you're then maybe not going to do it for a little while, you're just becoming more familiar with, with a, you know, particularly something like the snatch that is Definitely. so technical yeah i mean you could i mean you could go two months where you don't snatch for example if you if your days just fall wrong with work or whatever and we are kind of interspersed in snatch and clean and jerk yeah you could get to the point where you have six seven weeks where you don't touch it again so yeah, if you're learning to play a musical instrument you'd like to play it sort of regularly 15 20 minutes every day that's how you're going to get better at it not by doing you know a massive practice session and not touching the guitar again for three months excellent well thank you very much i hope that people listening are Oh, please, with what yeah, we've, we, we've revealed. Yeah, we moved away from programming a little bit. Eh? <laughs> well, I, I think it's all, I, I think it's all linked, though, isn't it? Because it is, it's yeah. the problem is, you know, you can go online and buy any programming you want, but as you say, if you don't understand really what you're trying to get from your programming, then that's going to event, you know, ultimately be a, a futile purpose, a of futile purchase, because you've just bought something because you're like, well, this top athlete is doing that. That's what I want to do. And that's not really what you should be doing. So, you know, we've covered a lot of... You, you've shared some wisdom with us, Jack. Have so I? now, uh, yeah. I hope so. I hope people got, got some out of that, um, just in terms of, say, mindset shift and just going back to your why of why you come in the gym. Why are you doing this? Excellent. Well, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, we'll see what I've got to say now in the uh, in the outro. Lovely. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> well, there we have it. So I hope you enjoyed uh, that episode and that conversation. If you did enjoy it, uh, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with others, especially those that maybe uh, think that CrossFit people are all crazy and uh, trying to kill themselves all the time. I think that conversation uh, nicely showed that that's not really the goal or the objective we have, but we want to train for a long time and in a sensible way. So uh, share it with friends. If you uh, are using uh, Apple Podcasts and iTunes, maybe go uh, and leave a nice positive review so that it it bumps us up in the rankings. That would be nice as well. Uh, Don't forget the links in the description. So you've got, um, uh, if you want to contact me or Shax or fill out the spotlight form that I mentioned in the intro, uh, you can find that all down there in the show notes as well. Uh, Next podcast, uh, so we'll be back in just under two weeks' time uh, where we'll be talking with... Emily Clark, the Trowbridge members member of 2019, uh, but a very interesting conversation with her about uh, how she found CrossFit and uh, the benefits that she has found from doing CrossFit. So I uh, hope you uh, will enjoy that one that will be coming in a couple of weeks.